right. This is episode 442, Graham. Oh, man, mm-hmm. 442. You know, a couple days later, but still this week. Oh, dude, was fighting the dumbest cold mm-hmm. like, ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. I haven't been this sick in forever. Usually mm-hmm. I get sick a couple of days. Knock it out. Knock it out. Back mm-hmm. in business, mm-hmm. I take a bunch of zinc and vitamin C, and mm-hmm. I eat garlic. Keeps vampires there's away. Vampires. Well, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a vampire issue by me, so yeah. I want to make well, sure. Well, yeah, it's Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of beach, yeah. <laughs> beach vampires. Yeah. I mean, you know, you we know. all saw Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. Yeah. It's really it's a biopic <laughs> Lost Boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so God, I've just been sick, but I'm, you know, I had to go to fucking urgent care. Like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little better, obviously. Yep. So we're recording. We're good. You know, you know, you're you're a trooper. You're I like, you know, I'm not 100. percent I'm still going to record. You're here. You're here for the people, the fans. You're here for them. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to go home. I know. I get it. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, this is taking some energy out of yes. me. But I was like, I woke up this morning. I was like, oh fuck, I got somewhere to go. Finally, yeah, <laughs> I've been going a little bananas. Mm-hmm. Cause I've only gone to like the CVS and the store to buy soup, mm-hmm. and I was starting to go crazy. Like I've been binge watching West Wing. It's really, oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, it's and like you've already seen West Wing. <laughs> I've seen the entire thing. Like I just say, you're making being sick sound really cool, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> I'm like, jealous. Doesn't sound that horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I usually do a lot in the day. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't worked out. I haven't been surfing in a in a week, over mm-hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. Which is a crime in and of itself. Yeah. And uh yeah, this is brutal. Well, you know, the salt water would have exacerbated your sinus infection, so it's for the best. Sure. You know, you know, you, a jellyfish could have gotten up there. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought oh. salt would be an antiseptic. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually salt is good. They tell you to rinse your nasal passages yeah. with saline, which is what I've been yeah. doing. Yeah. The salt water is great for it. Yeah. Chris doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> Just because he's married to a scientist yeah. doesn't mean that he is one. It hasn't rubbed off. <laughs> Not no. in the least. I have a long history of sinus problems, so I, I know mm-hmm. way too I'm a Cliff Clavin when it comes to the sinus yeah. stuff. So. Uh, you know, that's a saline you, solution there. You've got an engraved yeah. neti pot? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. God, I got that tweet 500 times this oh, week. Oh, use a neti pot. Ned, the neti pot. Yeah. Shut up. I don't know yeah. what a neti pot is. Use a tincture with a neti pot. Stop yeah. making up words. It's a cult. Yeah. It's it is a, a um, cult. You know what? It's a it's a fancy version of a squirt bottle with salt water in it. That's literally what it is. Just, just you can't take a hot bath, steam it out. I don't need go. a special pot. Mm-hmm. I drank so much goddamn tea this week. <laughs> well, this is different. You would actually shove it up your nose oh, for a well, neti pot. You know, no. No, you're not going to do that? That's weird. Yeah. I'm not going to stick an appliance or whatever uh, up my nose. Yeah. And what's weird is you actually have to use an actual teapot. So (laughs) I'm already on. Yeah. I I I do have to say uh, it's genuine, though, because I I did it uh, a few years ago. And after I did it, I just wanted to call people. And just be like, you got to do this thing. <laughs> what? Explain, what is a It just feels so, it's like such a cleaning. You can you can see stuff coming out of your nose. Yeah. It just flushes your nose. It's uh, You heat and, up water, not too hot, because then you pour it in one nostril and it comes out the other. And it and you mix it, it with about a sinuses. teaspoon of salt. And it's literally a mm-hmm. teapot. And you just pour it in the nostril, it comes out the other. And it's it's just such a cleansing feeling. Um, 
nobody makes any money off of it except for the people that that sell the actual pots, which I like. Well, the salt industry. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, by the, by the third lobby. of a teaspoonful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you know, when you go to the doctor and he tells you to take like whatever the over-the-counter version of that is. Mm-hmm. He probably has reps. I'm getting cynical way too early here, but like he probably has hot girls that show up and, uh, and take, nothing lunch. against hot girls, but they'll show up and they'll say, "Hey, we're the uh, nasogel people or whatever," and then um, he'll recommend that to all of his uh, clients or well, his patients. Well, let's introduce our guest, our nasal Sorry. expert. Nasal. <laughs> we got on a hot button yeah. issue. For me. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, been on the show before, but have, hasn't been, been on while. for a while. Yeah, it's a glad to uh, have him back. He's been working through his nasal issues. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the only thing I'm passionate about yeah. nowadays. <laughs> Comedian, musician, songwriter, uh, balladeer. Can we say balladeer? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Henry Phillips. Hey, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. I always feel weird like when you haven't been introduced yet, but I figure... When you click on the podcast, it probably has my name. Because that's so, the thing. Everyone's yeah. always like, you shouldn't talk until you're spoken. I'm like, yeah, but it, every podcast says, you know, this will say Comedy Film Nerds at 442 with Henry Phillips. So you'll know who you are. Yeah. Who unless we thir- put surprise, surprise guest instead. Or unless they just have it on an ongoing thing and it just jumps to the next episode mm-hmm. and they're in their car. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But sure, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, if they're yeah. binge listening, yeah. If what if they're listening and they're using a neti pot? They can't check. They can't. There's a lot. <laughs> no, of there's no way. Out. Yeah, it's a but lot I of just moving had parts. to jump in on that one because it's like, how often does neti pot come in? I <laughs> no, got to jump in. I want to say this is the first one out of five hundred some episodes yeah. <laughs> that, we've done, that this is. Although now, to be fair, on Twitter, it comes up all the time. All so. right, <laughs> I'm going to hear a bunch of neti pot people. Yeah. I'm sure the netty some and then well, someone's gonna hashtag some, free the pot free the pot <laughs> <laughs> and then someone's gonna email actually a netty pot blew up my kid oh yeah someone's yeah, yeah. gonna be mad at the I've netty pot I've already seen that yeah I've mm-hmm. I've seen people say that it gives you infections unless you're using distilled water and blah 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 mm-hmm. I like to live on the edge you know I just boil <laughs> it and let it cool down a little bit generally boiling is a yeah. you know kind of gets rid of I just things, bought a goddamn holistic saline spray that you just yeah i think it's the same thing it's the same thing Mm -hmm. i don't say you know get into the whole neti pot controversy (laughs) i just say you gotta weigh in (laughs) pick a side folks it just feels good blue or red neti pot come on which which net what are you pro or anti neti pot it's like everything nowadays you gotta pick your side pick a side are we gonna have a neti pot debate speaking of picking sides let's talk about overlord Are you guys going to be uh, on the opposite side? Yeah. side? yeah, you have to pick a side. Are you, are you pro or anti-Nazi are, are zombie? You, yeah, yeah. Are you, um, are you for or against Nazi experimentation? What's, uh, you know, how do you come down on on uh, <laughs> bending genres of monster and World War II movies? Well, so we're going to do a spoiler up on this, yes. just to mm-hmm. clarify. So we'll, go, we'll, we'll do the broad strokes on this, Overlord. Now, this mm-hmm. is, I've been told by Micah Wright, who's been a guest on the show, who also is a video game writer, mm-hmm. um, that this is kind of taken from a video game idea. Wolfen something. Wolfenstein. Yeah. There's been a lot of, um, you know, Nazi monster stories <laughs> over, the, uh, over the years, not just in video games. You've got Wolfenstein. You also have Call of Duty has a zombies add-on, you could, which is literally World War II with 
zombies. A and, zombies uh, era. Yes, yeah, because you just... play the regular Call of Duty game, which is a regular World War II shooting Nazis. But then you can get downloadable content to get an extra um, couple levels that have zombies in them. So. See, this feels like this feels that that. Uh, that feels like a video game neti pot. Yeah. <laughs> feels like. Yep. You, um, you pour the allies in one nostril and come out. Nazis come out the other one. Because you're flushing it. You feel cleansed. Bro. Uh, so, so you're getting the zombie Nazis out of your nose. <laughs> That's, uh, so it's definitely not a, um, it's not a new concept. In fact, Matt Weinhold was here uh, last week saying that there are other Nazi monster movies that have been over the years too. Okay. Um, so, um, that being said, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and it was one of those movies that I love where it makes no bones about what it is. Like, uh, look, this is a World War II um, zombie kind of uh, Nazi monster movie, mm-hmm. and we're not going to uh, pretend it's anything but. Right. So, but what I did like is that as it, the movie starts out, it really feels like a World War II movie. They like, did a great job. Like the opening a, yeah. World War II stuff was great. There is really had like a sucker punch to it, like it, like it felt, I don't know, legit or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really it because it felt like there was attention to detail on the World War II stuff. It wasn't like all right, just get these guys in some World War II costumes and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll go on the Universal lot and just run around then we'll add the monsters but no it really felt like you know there was attention to detail to the equipment the uniforms the weapons well the, historical the, they they were yeah. they were on D-Day they were part yes. of the D-Day invasion uh-huh. so they were trying I love to when they do that yeah, yeah there were there was historical references and it really felt like uh, you were watching a World War II movie until you know it got crazy and monstery yeah, I, I like that new trend of, you know, trying to create a believable world where, like, I, I mean, Walking Dead, I think, does a good yes, job. Yes, for of it. sure. I mean, when if you take out the zombies, you still have just a drama, you know? Right. And I like that. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I, I've never really been that into the the jokey kind of horror stuff. I like it to be mm-hmm. a little bit more serious. Well, I, I, like, yeah. I like that, too. When they go, when the writers go, what would, how would this... If this actually happened, yeah, exactly. Like, how would people actually react to this? In this, if in this, we, we're taking a real thing that happened. We're yeah. taking the D-Day invasion, and we're putting this crazy shit <laughs> yeah, in yeah. there. How would they react to it? Well, that's that yeah. was a specific goal of the filmmakers with the actors because uh, <laughs> the movie actually featured more practical effects than CG effects, hmm. uh, which was noticeable, and, and, and I liked it. Yeah, me too, for sure. It felt more realistic and and grounded because you, you didn't have a bunch of you know, cartoon monsters running around yeah. and flying or whatever. Uh, but apparently that was also done to get a better reaction from the actors involved in the scenes where something gruesome would happen. And they had some good scares in the film. I mean, they yes. they had some... And some good gross-out stuff, Yeah, too. some good gross-out, jump out of your seat. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of felt like some of those zombie movies of the 70s. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, and I was like, I, I thought that was a really cool... And it really was a mashup of different... Like, my, like Mike is not wrong. Like, uh, you know, you look, there's pieces of, like, video games. There are pieces of Reanimator. There's pieces of Saving Private Ryan. There's, like, all <laughs> wow. these different pieces of, of movies. Now, you know, there's such a potential for that to be a mess. And also, just it felt like that. But when it comes together properly, mm. which I think this movie did, it like, it's really fun. Like, is it going to win any Oscars? No. And it doesn't pretend it's going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a pulpy, fun 
genre um, action horror movie for sure. And it, you know, it wasn't like campy and dumb like uh like you know there wasn't a lot of quippy lines like they're you know they're they're joking through it like it was yeah, I don't really like those. Yeah. it really felt like it was had the right tone it had the right um atmosphere i just thought it was really well done all the way through yeah i i it got a little slow for me okay at times i mean i i like the um i i like the opening the, i mean the opening invasion and it and and like Stuff was really great. I mean, they mm-hmm. were like, the, yeah. And then getting into the French village um, was really interesting. The <clears throat> the director really hasn't done much a lot. He did Son of a Gun, which is his only other um, feature. Did a lot of shorts. Then did a lot of shorts, and <clears throat> so, and then the writer was uh, a big name writer. It was uh, Billy Ray. And Billy Ray. Well, there's a, a number of writers, yeah. Well, this is like a J.J. Abrams produced, but, yeah, you know, did, just threw his name on it. He did Captain Phillips. He did uh, The Hunger Games. You know, that, that's one of the writers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my eyes aren't very good. He looks writer. very confident. Very <laughs> happy, happy with his work. Yeah. <laughs> Self-satisfied. Yeah. Uh, Captain Phillips. I, I love that movie. I thought that was great. I I'm sure you guys already talked about it back yeah, when it was but it's relevant. Worth talking about because he's a he's an Oscar nominated. It's or, that that hyper realism thing. It, I guess it's that that crew, like that director, or whatever mm-hmm. they did. United, uh, was it United ninety three? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that same kind of style. Well, it's <clears throat> it's interesting, and this is something that Micah brought up. You know, he was a little frustrated. He said, "This is why." They, Hollywood just keeps hiring the same people and why there's not a lot of new interesting movies being made because they're not hiring any younger writers or actors or getting new blood in there um, which is a which is a valid point and I think um, this movie I enjoyed it I had fun it was just slow at times right um, mm-hmm. for me but and you know it wasn't a 150 million dollar movie no it was a, you know it was probably that kind of mid-range. Yeah, uh, that we never see anymore. Because also, you I mean you look at the casting, like this was clearly it was a studio movie and it had a decent budget because of J.J. Abrams's name. But mm. this was they weren't going to give him a, uh, you know, a Mission Impossible budget or anything like that. Uh, so I'm going to guess, you know, fifty, sixty around there. That's my guess. I can't find any numbers on it right now. Or no, the budget says thirty-eight million. Oh wow! So, so it's th- actually close to forty. So it was actually even less. Yeah. Um, any celebs in the cast? No, that's what's interesting about the cast. Again, it's you know it's a horror movie, so it goes by different rules. Yeah, but you know this is a bigger budget horror movie, so instead mm-hmm. of uh, no name actors or name actors, it's actors in the middle where you just go, oh, I've seen that guy in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, you know that are have been in stuff, but you can't necessarily. That's another recognize thing that uh, is a challenge too. I mean, people like celebrities, but like. Uh, you know, and that keeps Captain the Phillips, lower. other than Tom Hanks, like right. you know, I didn't know who any of these people were, mm-hmm. and then apparently it was just a massive casting call that they did. But yeah, in a horror <laughs> movie, that always takes me a little bit out of it too. When you, it's like, Absolutely. oh yeah, this is Alec Baldwin or whatever. You know, I, it's well, like, it's you know Brad Pitt in a World yeah. War Z. Yeah, it's like oh well, this is a big giant Hollywood star running from zombies. Yeah, it just, yeah, it, it feels just weird. And I think they, that was smart. Yeah, absolutely. Because it mm-hmm. was like if you're especially you're just having. The, I mean, the story is just probably knocked twenty million off the budget too. Yeah, <laughs> of course it did. Yeah, it. it, it it becomes closer to a hundred million dollar yeah. movie if you start adding folks like that. But that it added to the 
the thing we were talking about earlier, which is it felt real. It felt like these are just GIs, just regular yes. Joes mm -hmm. fighting World War Two, like every other American mm -hmm. guy had to do. Then, That's awesome, you know, yeah. and just parachute in and go get the Nazis. And oh shit, some of them are mutant freaks, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> like. Um, and I thought the casting too of the French girl was really good, and and, yeah. and her mm -hmm. having to deal with the that her storyline and yeah, yeah, um, the Nazi occupation, yeah, mm -hmm. <clears throat> just happened to have a uh, you know a crazy experimental hospital in it. <laughs> happened to a lot but of the, French, yeah, guys. yeah. <laughs> but you know, I I felt like all of the um, the that overlay the right. was just really, uh, um, you know kind of more organic to like a world war ii film it's like all right their mission you know knock out the tower <laughs> you know very very <laughs> classic uh you know you gotta so you know so our boys can land and you know right. hey you know that was you know like, we don't get right. this tower out yeah yeah it was, it was it was it was smart because it was like a ticking time clock about a thing that we knew actually happened yes d-day mm -hmm. is they were like in the advanced team right we don't knock out that tower, then the Nazis are going to be able to wipe out our D-Day invasion. Right. So we have to make this. Mm -hmm. This has to happen. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but there happens to be yeah. a dungeon underneath. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, they're doing experiments and making monsters. Wow. Um, so, I, I mean, we'll get more into it in the spoiler, but I will say this is one where... I was excited to see, and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was really fun. Uh, my wife and I went to see it on date night, so <laughs> and uh, she enjoyed it as well because it was um, it's just kind of that fun, pulpy you know horror movie. But also, it like I said, it did a good job mixing genres. It yeah. felt like you know World War Two. Like you couldn't say that like well it was mostly horror, movie, it was most mostly World War Two. It was both. It really was a yeah. mix of both. It's fun. It's mm -hmm. a fun film. So, all right. So, let our guests go next. Let's for do mid -90s. it. Sure. Yeah. What was mid nineties like? Mid nineties. Uh, I liked it overall. I thought it was great. Um, now, this was Jonah Hill's uh, Garden State. It's, yeah, it's his first directorial, which I was kind of surprised mm -hmm. for some reason. I just feel like he's so uh, prolific in other ways. I thought he must have directed something before, but he hadn't. And um, okay, how do I? What, what were the things that I like? Well, I always liked that realism. I definitely got caught up in that. It was. Uh, it had that that thing because i'm always hypersensitive to that when somebody says something that i'm just like okay no real person would ever say that to another person i'm, right. I'm out mm -hmm. and uh you know even though it kind of went you always have to go up to that line because you want it to be an a story that's worth telling you know but uh but for the most part i bought all of it and i like the tone of it um it's a period piece it takes place in uh Somewhere around the mid '90s, <laughs> <laughs> I did my homework, guys. God, yeah. you are you're a sharp guy. I feel like I'm doing my my book 95. report, my oral yeah. book report from sixth grade. <laughs> it took place in the mid '90s. Um, I, I literally did a book report about uh, a, an Olympic runner named Wilma and didn't read the book. And the book was called Wilma, and I just said, "Ah, oh, this is about somebody named Wilma." Uh, and that was all I knew, but um, that was bad. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, mid '90s. Um, so you know, there's these mo these so what's uh, the period of the things. Title? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not sure. I couldn't figure that out the whole time. I'm trying to figure it out. That's his age. But uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. But um, so you know that there's shows like Stranger Things and all these shows now that are um, period pieces, and I, 
you know, I don't want to go against that because I know those are really hugely popular. But and and I'm I'm a huge fan of Freaks and Geeks, and and I love those little Easter eggs, you know, when they mm-hmm. would talk about like the Dukes of Hazard or whatever. <laughs> but um, it was refreshing that this movie didn't care that much. I mean, it was like, yeah, this is the setting. It's it's a little bit like. You know, if you're watching a World War II movie or something like that, they're not going to keep on playing that song over and over again and being like, see, that's the music right. they used to listen to back then. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we get it. You know, they, they just had a story to tell, and this is a beautiful yeah. setting for it. Oh, look, they're but playing the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B yeah, yeah, yeah. in every World every War II movie scene. ever. Yeah, <laughs> because when you think about it, it's. It, I actually read an interview uh, with one of the producers and and he brought up something really interesting where he said, um, you know, when like my, he's like my life in the nineties probably looked a lot like a life that was combined of nineties, eighties and seventies. If you looked at my house or the music I was listening to, it's not like everything you're doing at that moment is just representative of that right. one year. You probably had pants that you bought back in 89 or whatever, you know? So there was cars on the road that were yeah. in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, Unless you're lucky enough to have one of the brand new cars, you're not going to be mid nineties, everything. So, and everyone in every era has always had nostalgia for the, for the previous. For the previous one. Yeah. I mean, so they're going to, everyone in the 90s, like 70s music was starting to like, exactly. hey. You yeah. know? But that's too hard for a production designer. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's too hard for them to justify. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. I mean, everybody, their job is always to make things on the nose. And I ran into this a little bit with, with our movies because um, the one, one thing, this was one of my favorite things that happened was like we needed... But what are they, for me, to, it, this was in, in our movie, uh, Punching Henry, mm-hmm. from a few years ago. There was a scene where I show up to my car, and it's got bird shit on it. And so if you tell you know a prop person that the car is supposed to have bird shit, there's going to be bird shit, and it's going to be huge. You know, because that's just sort of like the one thing that they have to do. But then when we saw it, we were just like... That, that's no bird that I've ever heard. That's like pterodactyl <laughs> shit or something like that. You know? Or a kennel? Like, yeah, so uh, there, every now and then you'll run into people that just try to um, do their job so well that you're sort of like, okay, we... Like, and I'm thinking what you said about production designer, you know, with the with mid-90s, the tendency is going to be just go all out on the 90s, but this movie didn't really do that. I was probably about 26 when this, I probably knew both of you guys at the time that this movie is supposed to take place. It was about a bunch of 13 year olds, I believe. And, um, like 12 to 15 year old, the main character, I don't know if he's even younger than that. It's the kid from, um, did you guys see killing of a sacred deer? Mm -hmm. The, Mm -hmm. uh, youngest kid on that. That was, that was an interesting movie. Um, I, he's got an, a weird name. I can't remember. Sol, Sultan Soljic. Yeah. So uh, he's great. I'd look out for him. Um, but he's really young. But uh, so he plays this kid who has, has a tough home life, and he starts hanging out with these skater kids. And it looks to me like it probably takes place in like Venice uh, High School or somewhere out by the beach. There, there's a lot of. That kind of palm tree, mm-hmm. but uh, there's some beautiful shots, like aesthetically Where the beautiful. Live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm and there's you. vampires, like right in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Of, no, Nazis. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of other movies that I've seen that are in the same. Well, I, I actually am one of the few people that never saw Kids. I don't know, but apparently this was sort of mm-hmm. a little bit um, an homage or, inter- or 
derived from that kind oh, of style. That must have been disturbing and hard to watch. Uh, there were a couple of uh, pretty dark moments, but it never mm. really got too bad. But um, mm. I... Uh, well, Kids is the entire running time of that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah, and... Um, but, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the... It was very understated. I mean, as you would probably expect from a guy like Jonah Hill, he seems like an understated guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, I went in wanting to hate it like I do with everything that I do. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm always either proven correct or pleasantly surprised, and mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. So then you think Jonah Hill, like, is a decent director? Yeah, I think he's got a thing. I mean, at least... It appeals to my of, taste. I don't know if it's very commercial. What was a coming of age story, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's smart when. I, I, what can happen with first time directors, especially if they are, you know, came up acting, mm-hmm. is sometimes they feel like, oh, I got to direct, mm-hmm. you know, and there's got to be all these big crazy camera shots, yeah. and I got to do all this stuff that goes, hey, look at me directing. Yeah, when really. It's directing the actors and mm-hmm. just getting good, subtle performances out of people. And when an actor, you know, depending on the movies they came up and the other actors they came up with, sometimes it makes them phenomenal directors because they were on the set with these amazing actors and these amazing directors. And they go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this big moment that director just pulled the guy aside and went, hey, just pretend this. Or, you know, just yeah. the slight adjustment. Mm-hmm. The director just gave them a slight adjustment and that, that made their performance better. And then they watched the final cut went, man, the director was on the nose. I thought I had to come in and do backflips and all I had to do was just make a subtle adjustment. So then they, tr- that translates to when they direct actors. And I think you can get these great little movies out of that. Yeah, no, I know. I, I definitely think it comes across that, um, that this was directed by an actor and a, and a good subtle actor, you know, um, because... Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a magic trick to me. Like, if you can, if you can get a bunch of people that are completely unknown, I, I don't know who any of these people are except for that kid I saw in that other movie. But, um, and just act like there's no camera there. Um, that's a wonderful thing, you know. And you know, we all. It wasn't like, um, oh, what would be an example? It it, it wasn't like. Uh, Florida Project, which I thought was great. Right. Am I saying that right? Florida yeah, Project. Yeah, Florida mm-hmm. Project. Yeah, which was fantastic. That one almost felt like you were watching a documentary or yeah. something. The, this one, it, it knew it was a movie. It's just, um, but it was just a little bit, uh, you know, somewhere in between that, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was uh, oh, great. pretty impressive. I, I thought. It, it's my type of movie. It, it It's probably not for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of people might want a little bit more story. Um, the, the lead character hardly says anything throughout, which is my favorite. <laughs> Do you think that, that um, you know, Florida Project got a little buzz last year and we're getting into Oscar season. Do you think this movie could get any nominations or any? Uh, I think that kid is fantastic. Yeah, he's really good. I, I mean, I think they're all good. I've never, ever been good at predicting Oscars. I'm sure. always way off. But... Um, if not for this movie, they're they're about to launch a career. Everybody in this movie, all the, all the mm. performances oh, all right. were great. Yeah. Now there's a couple of real standouts. That's the cast right up there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so those two guys on the right. Um, I, I'd like to see the interview because it's hard for me to imagine them other than what their characters were. Right. It's like when you see, like you know, when I was now we're really used to it, but I remember getting really into The Wire when that first came sure. out. And then I'm just like, whoa, this guy, you know, uh, 
Idris Alba or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. wow, he's like a badass, you know, and then I'd, I'd look up an interview. Well, the weirdest thing about doing that is what was it? And I'm just like, what? You're, you're not the gangster that I thought. McNulty, you know? Yeah, it was like Irish. Yeah. Kind of, well, I just don't understand what it's like. It's like, wow, you're just messing with my head so hard. So that's that would be funny if these guys started <laughs> talking. Just a bunch of Brits or whatever. What in the hell's going on? I had to learn skating. <laughs> I had to learn how to be a, a hood yeah. rat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's like you see... Yeah, it, like it'd be just funny to see all of your well, favorite the, the characters. Movies, I, I, I want to see mid '90s, and then the other one that uh, also is getting some buzz is "Beautiful Boy." That I'm curious to see. Um, I don't know anything about that's that. That's with Steve Carell, and it's based on an actual oh, an it's actual, the father and son about the, addiction. Yeah, the kid keeps going through addiction Relapsing. and relapse, and it's just how it, 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 it how it breaks up the family, and it looks the trailer for it looks amazing. I saw. Yeah, they showed the trailer. Before that, does it have that one kid? There's this one Timothy kid. Timothy Chalamet from. Uh, oh, okay, no, yeah, that. Um, was nominated for an Oscar last yeah. year. Yeah, that one's different. There's another one with. There's this one kid who was in. Um, oh, what's the lady? Lady Bird. Remember the guy who was her first boyfriend who gets caught in the stall kissing another guy? Yes. Did, did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actor is in everything now. Like he's just. Yeah. He. Uh, he was in like three of the trailers that showed yeah. before this thing. It's like he's on fire with the indie film thing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a Jesse Eisenberg sort of type, I think. You know, like that kind of thing works mm-hmm. real well for this type of genre. All right, I would I would say you know I saw this movie right in the daytime and it felt like the appropriate thing to watch. It's definitely not a big blockbuster Saturday no. night date night thing. It's probably something that you'd take in personally, you know, because Great. you're a fan of that kind of uh-huh. genre. Well, speaking of um, actor. Actors turned directors. I saw Boy Erased, which okay. was um, written and directed by Joel Edgerton, hmm. who also um, acts in the film as well. This is the um, um, Gerard Conley's memoir about uh, conversion therapy. Where? Oh God, I heard so, about this. Yeah, this is called Boy Erased, and uh, basically, it's the son of a Baptist preacher is forced to participate in a church-supported gay conversion program after after being forcibly outed to his parents. Now, um, this is Lucas Hedges plays the lead, but it has Nicole Kidman and Joel Edgerton and Russell Crowe in it as the um, adults. So, it, it's interesting you mentioned this about uh, um, you know Jonah Hill's movie. It, it's interesting when an actor directs a film, especially the you know necessarily oh, the first time. That's another of the movies I was just talking about. Uh, yeah, Lucas guy. Hedges. Yeah, 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 that's the guy. Yeah, he's in he's in everything. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a real focus, understandably, on the performances. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the performances were very good in this film. And um, the, the, this movie was an interesting kind of like um, it was a mixed bag. It was a a movie that did a lot of things right and uh, just had a couple flaws for sure. And one of them was that uh, there was so much attention to detail on the adults' performances, like uh, um, Russell Crowe. Nicole Kidman is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. And uh, it's a slow burn with her. Like, you see her as the mother. It's just kind of going along with everything. And uh, as the movie progresses you see an arc that you weren't expecting from her Mm -hmm. and you see performances and scenes that you weren't expecting from her. So I think for her, uh, I think maybe a supporting actress. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, she wasn't in a ton of scenes, but the ones she, uh, she was in just home run. And the reason was because it was so set up 
like um, this isn't who this person is at the beginning. And uh, that's why I thought it was really, really interesting. Like uh, um, the... You, the the interesting thing too, unfortunately, was that Lucas Hedges' character, even though he's based on an actual person, um, had probably the flattest performance, and it was his. He starred in it, uh, but all the adults around him, I'm like, even like, is that Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, <laughs> like wow. he's in it too, and uh, um, so they all did an amazing job. But for whatever reason, the way um, Lucas Hedges' character playing Jared was. Um, um, portrayed and the way he was written was you know if you're a kid who's struggling with his sexuality and then your parents force you to go into gay conversion therapy <laughs> and uh, you know you have all this trauma from your childhood chances are we're going to see some emotional depth you're going to be going through a lot of uh, changes a lot of feelings oh, a lot yeah. of moods a lot of things this movie doesn't show that. Like, it shows really? him as kind of like um, a flat, subdued performance, which I get, but you can't have an entire movie of that. Now, eventually, we do get the uh, emotional range that we were expecting from this character and from this story from him, but it, it's like too, it takes too long to get mm. there. Like, it, there's a whole giant section of the movie in the middle where it's just like, all right, we know what's happening. We don't need to see another class of conversion therapy. We need to see what's going to happen next. Mm. We need to see how he's um, reacting to it. We need to see how the parents are uh, reacting to him. We need to see all this interaction, but we need to see it quicker. You know, it was one of those movies, again, you get ahead cut of it. out 10 to 20 minutes. That's all you have to do. And, you know, truncate that middle part where literally nothing happens. You know, you can't just have a bunch of nothing happen in the middle of your movie. Uh you know, you have to either build to something or you have to build on what came before. And it just had that lull in the middle. Um, but Joel Edgerton, fantastic job. He's like who runs the mm-hmm. Gay Conversion Therapy Center. Uh, but what here? here's the thing that I, I loved most about the movie. Because going into this movie, it's, you know, gay conver- conversion therapy is awful and horrible. And uh, it's been denounced by, L, L, you know, the LGBTQ um community it's been you know denounced by medical groups anyone with any sense of knowledge understands that this shouldn't be happening or a heart and yes yes (laughs) um and only a handful of states had banned it before the uh his memoir was released in 2016 now um those slowly but surely more states are banning it but there's still a fair amount of states that still have it um but this is what i loved about the movie the movie very easily could have gone into um attack mode and said look look this is how horrible it is this is satire this is like we're going to show you know how heartless all these people are for doing all this but it didn't it showed mm-hmm. the compassion behind it which actually made it all more chilling i almost compared right. it to like a marvel villain where you know the marvel villain that's the most effective or any comic book villain is the one who thinks he's doing the right thing and has compassion underneath yeah. but is just doing horrible things right and, and it's being justified through whatever reason and this reason was basically religion so uh but what is also interesting is uh um Russell Crowe's character, he's a preacher, so you see him, you know, the movie starts, he's in the uh, pulpit, he's giving his sermons, but then it shows, I guess he's not full-time because he also works at the car dealership. So, (laughs) you know, so apparently the preacher is a part-time thing, Mm. although it seems to be the most important thing in his life, not selling cars. Uh, But, so it was, what I really liked about this movie is it showed that there was actually a, um, a sincere, compassionate face underneath 
this horrible thing just that people misguided. are doing. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like because it could easily have just been two-dimensional villains. These are horrible people that you know are ignorant or just following religion and are torturing these kids. But it didn't do that. It showed that there's a um, was a misguided compassion that they really the families and the center they really tried to help these kids. <laughs> hmm. So um, does it change how horrible it is? No, but it gives you a um, a context for it that I wasn't expecting. That I'm glad the movie did because it's the kind of thing where now you understand it better. Like well, it, what's mm-hmm. important is is when because you ask yourself, how can people be right? How can this happen? This how like, can let's do this? see if she floats and then she's a witch. Like this yeah, is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh. You know, yeah. the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right, it's like, exactly. no, we have to, this is the right thing, and I'm doing mm-hmm. this because I love you, you're my yeah. child, mm-hmm. and you're going to go to hell unless right. we shock the gay out of you. Right. Like, oh, yeah, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's oh, horrible. Man. Yeah, you can, yeah. It, you, it makes even more sense, and it makes, like you say, the the act of it even worse. Right. Because mm-hmm. like you say, just, just wanting evil is just sort of like, oh, yeah, mustache swirling. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're, just, you're just evil, you know. Yeah. It's just a mm-hmm. rabid dog. You got to right. put it down. Like you know, oh, this is a scam center. The guy doesn't care. He's just he just wants the money. And, yeah, you know, that wasn't the case. So it was. Yeah, it was that, really I love that. I love mm-hmm. that approach. Uh, so it was a it was a really good movie. It just it was definitely flawed. Um, the biggest flaw was probably the way that uh, um, the lead was you know the the kind of dead time with him in the middle of the movie where there could have been a lot more insight there we just didn't get it like we got the beginning we got the beginning and the end is like okay that's where this movie needs to be but there's just there was that lull in the middle that, right. uh, but easily could have been fixed in editing so that's all they had to do just, just take it out because you you could have taken three or four scenes out of the middle of that film I easy and you, no one would have missed it of movies mm-hmm. that are 20 minutes too long right Mm-hmm. There's really this trend for this, and so, I'm not quite sure what is motivating it. I don't know. It's not like flights are getting longer; they're the same. <laughs> I guess traditionally, <laughs> like a yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, yeah, well, we need 20 more minutes with to get that to industry. Chicago to yeah. LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, that's the new thing. They're going to start picking it based on the flight times. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, there's there's a lot of TV shows that do that too. Like I I feel like I've watched a lot of these shows that are ten episodes. I'm not gonna name them because some people probably love them and some don't. But where I'm like, this would have been a great hour and a half movie, um, or a thirteen a a ten, episode season should have been ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm or literally watching. Right. I'm watching like a ten hour movie, and I'm going into characters that I don't care about, and right. then there's a lot of really slow pacing that. It just feels like I'm watching filler a lot of the time. So, yeah, you do sometimes wonder, is there some incentive to have a, a running time that's a certain thing? I don't get it because at least, and maybe maybe, maybe the answer is the fact that people aren't going to the actual theaters anymore because the theaters want more turnover. They want movies that are 90 minutes right. because they're yeah. going to have more screen or show times. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's they're like, oh, well, we're doing more business on the download side, the VOD, or selling it to the streaming services, so it needs to be X two hours and 15 minutes. I don't know. I don't know. Is it I'm a just, prestige thing? I mean, comedies were always 90 minutes, yes. you know, but mm-hmm. if it was a drama, it was always longer. Maybe right. it's just sort of like an ego thing where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not having a 90 minute drama or whatever, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I... You know, Gravity was the perfect length. It was like a 90 minute yeah. space drama. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, no, it still worked in 90 minutes. 90 I didn't minutes. need I an so. extra 20 yeah. minutes of George Clooney. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Great, great yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I 
I, I, I think it's amazing how good people are at telling stories, even that aren't comics or professionals or whatever. I mean, we know there's a lot of them that suck too, but it's like, <laughs> but if you just imitate when, when you're like, it, let's say a teenager's telling a story to their friend about something, they just automatically cut out all the crap that doesn't matter. And they just get to the parts that, that you're interested. Mm-hmm. There's just sort of a natural thing that happens with us. And I think a lot of editors could, well, I, I don't know about if it's the editor. It might have been the director or whoever, Either, yeah, the writer. But a lot of times people I will say this. A lot of times that, when you know? uh, when an actor directs a film, it always seems a little long. Hmm. You know, like uh, Mr. Saturday Night, how long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was always yeah, like, mm, like, it's a little too long. That's well, an interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll give you an example of something that was right on the money. So I, I watched this. Been home watching a lot of Netflix. Yeah, you've been week. streaming. Been mm-hmm. streaming a lot. So I watched this documentary. It's a Netflix doc, a Tricky Dick and the Man in Black. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a documentary about Johnny Cash being invited to the Nixon White House in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's Fifty-eight minutes. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. And this is where Built for TV. Well, I think it's where you know streaming services don't have this hard number to hit right Mm -hmm. you know it has to be 70 or 82 minutes to qualify for the blah 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 Mm -hmm. so they just made this hour doc really awesome they went into the history of johnny cash and why and what his politics were and how he was sort of starting to change his tune about the vietnam war and everything Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me and why Nixon was trying to do the Southern strategy and everything around it. And it's really, I don't want to give it away because there is, I didn't, I didn't know this. What songs are you going to sing? Mm-hmm. You know, back this is, and, and leading up to it, several entertainers had said stuff in the Nixon white house and they were like, stop bombing Vietnam, you know, in the middle of their speech yeah. or their song or whatever. So they were like, Johnny Cash, he, you know, he won't do that. And they're trying mm-hmm. to tell him what songs to sing and all this stuff. So it was, it's really, wow, you know, it's a cool doc. And I've said this a million times, the Netflix docs are great. What did it, like, what was the, um, the main point that it tried <laughs> to focus on? The visit, the music, like what was, like, you know, what was kind of the, the focal point? The focal point really went into everything that led up to the visit. Oh, interesting. Okay. And like the anticipation of whether or not he was going to say something. Yeah. And, and you know, Johnny Cash was this big patriot man. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also little things like the Johnny Cash show. You know, back then everyone had a variety show, right? So he mm-hmm. had the Johnny Cash <laughs> hour or whatever it was mm-hmm. called. And, you know, he liked folk music and was a folk singer. And he had um, Pete Seeger on that show. You know, he had Bob Dylan on that show mm-hmm. and he took flack for that. Right. Even though he's just like, oh, I like their music, you know, and he was very patriotic. Mm. Johnny Cash even had a song ostracizing folk singers for being too political. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Just stick wow. with your diction and, you know, write good. So basically that's what his song was saying was mm-hmm. like, just leave your politics out of it. Mm-hmm. But it was the thing that they happened to a lot of people. Maybe he was trying to eliminate the entire folk music uh, genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was like a lot of people slowly changed as the 60s progressed and we got mm-hmm. into the early 70s. And, the, and, and then him and June Carter Cash performed in Vietnam. And they kind of came away from that like, wait a minute, what's going on over here? Yeah. So it was really interesting. You got a history of Johnny Cash and then 
the maneuvering of the Nixon White House, what they were trying to do, and there's interviews with Nixon cabinet members and Johnny Cash people, and it's really, it's really fascinating. It's a great history lesson. Mm-hmm. I gotta see that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's great. a song I was re- recently listening to from Johnny Cash called What is Truth? I don't know if he wrote that later, but it, it was very political, uh, you know, anti-war, if you look at the lyrics. Well, <laughs> but maybe that's the way he became later in his life. What? I could tell you the history of that song, but it would oh, kind of really? spoil the... Uh, <laughs> oh, really? I would, I would tell you... What Is the, it in the movie? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Ooh, Spoiler, maybe, alert. Maybe Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, okay. Well, so, All right. So check, check it, it out. out check it out. Gaming. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have some Patreon sponsors. Now, this is a record. This is the most Patreon sponsors we've ever had at one time. They'll be oh, uh, that's for, okay. Uh, Got it. So, so we are uh, we are excited that you guys are really thank um, you. Um, you're supporting the show so yeah. much, guys. Yeah, you're jumping right into that ad tier. We really appreciate it. So, uh, so here, perk up your ears. You got a couple new here ones coming comes, at guys. you. And listen to our. In addition to our classics like Johnny Rulon, Johnny Rulon is promoting his novel titled Green Cheek: A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream-of-consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com. That's happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project is a charity that uh, produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please uh, check them out at audacityperformingarts.com. That's audacityperformingarts.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide is a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, wherever podcasts are found. You can find out more at the Coffee Over Suicide site, coffeeoversuicide.com. And uh, Graham and I will be doing that uh, podcast. We just have to schedule it, but uh, probably in the next month or so. So, all right, and Alice, Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in April of 2018 with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Google Alice Frazier Trilogy for more info. And uh, Rebecca Evans, the art podcast. When we move past hesitation and we're true to ourselves, we find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories and get inspired? Check out the art, facebook.com slash the art podcasts with an S. And from Scott Reinhart, The Night Watchman's a story about a hero who clubs down evil with flashlights and shines light into the darkness when that guy's not working his day job at Home Depot. It's going to be a really cool illustrated novel that will be contributed to by over 30 artists. Um, with game illustrators, cartographers, storybook illustrators, and well-known comic book artists. It's more graphic than novel, but more novel than a graphic novel. For more info, go to ninthpointstudio.com. That's ninthpointstudio.com. And lastly, uh, we have La Calavera by Alan Ross, the story of a pirate radio operator who decides to go into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, uh, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, they gear up and take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's available on Amazon in ebook and hard copy. Hmm. I think that sounds like a great uh, double book double feature with uh, uh, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. So check those two out. 
And uh, let's get into some trailers. Just go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds. Yep, and check it out. Um, there We have plenty of tiers and like even a couple dollars. Like if you want to do one, two, five bucks a month, it all helps. So uh, we really appreciate any um, any contribution level that you uh, you can manage. So now I was excited about this trailer because it's so rare that you get a zombie Christmas musical. So, <laughs> We've been asking for it. Yeah, we have been. We have been. It's like, when are we going to get it? So Anna and the Apocalypse. We're going to be um, seeing that uh, trailer right now. Here we go. Official trailer. Official trailer. Wow, it's got five million views five already. Five million views. Mm-hmm. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. But to be fair, not Nazi zombies. <laughs> all snug in her bed, not knowing tomorrow she'd meet the undead. How would she survive? What this season would bring? Well, that's simple. She'd stab, she'd slash, and she'd sing. This looks fun. <laughs> oh no. What? Justin Bieber's a zombie. <laughs> this your feel good Surprise! It got a theatrical release, but I'm all for it. I'm, I'll be there. I'm there. Let's do it. <laughs> I like it. And the next movie will definitely be um, positioning itself for some Oscar love. Will it get it? Who knows? Uh, Stan and Ollie. Head full of honey. What is that? That's full. No, that may not be it. Yeah, what's uh, up? But uh, Stan and Ollie is, of course, uh, based on um, um, Laurel and Hardy. Back projection. But I Two music. John C. Riley. An action. He always surprises me. I always think he's like one note, but then he just does something interesting and different. Today, as they embarked on a national tour. We're doing this while we're waiting for this new picture to come together. I'm going to make sure that this tour gets off on right foot. There it is. It's amazing that you two are still going strong, still using the same old material. (laughs) I've got such a wonderful. (laughs) It's okay. Two double acts for the price of one. (laughs) Pretty empty last night. I guess people just don't want to see Lauren Hardy anymore. It's even pushing you a little too hard, babe. Look how you people used to dress up for comedy shows, Graham. I know. <laughs> you could have said goodbye, Oliver. Everybody has a, a long time ago. Flip flops. Like <laughs> we had a good thing yeah. going, but you had this big chip on your shoulder because I did a picture with someone else. I couldn't sleep for days when they told me what you did. You're just a lazy ass. Got lucky because you met me. Lucky to spend my life with a man who hides behind his typewriter. You betrayed me. Betrayed our friendship. You're hollow. 
You cannot go on stage again in your condition. I love you, but I won't stand by and watch this nutty tour put you in a wooden box. I didn't realize they uh, had so much had turmoil with each tour. other. Neither did I. I love him, Ada. You're not leaving, are you, Stan? The show must go on. <laughs> when you watch our movies, it was just the two of us. By the way, Stan Laurel was the final performer to wear a Hitler mustache. <laughs> she had regret Rianne. And you shouldn't regret Rianne either. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Stan Laurel and Mr. Oliver Hardy. I'm okay. this one we're gone. So will you. I have a trivia question for both of you guys then, mm-hmm. because I don't know the answer, but what are the Academy Award nominations for both of those actors? Because it said Academy Award nominated. Oh, well, let's look that up right now. <laughs> um, John C. Riley. Uh, you know, sometimes they cheat on the PR. Uh, that would be uh, pretty like, uh, like, you know, if the movie they were in got nominated, they uh, uh, they kind of count that sometimes. That would be but, pretty uh, But I think they up. both have their own... Uh, well, what's Stephen, Steve, Steve Coogan's, Coogan's... I've seen him on uh, TV, right? But, oh, yeah. He's a huge... Um, yeah. But I didn't know BBC, he was a big uh, actor. movie star. He's done a bunch of stuff here, but he's he's way more famous in uh, in the UK. Uh, John C. Reilly was nominated uh, best supporting role in Chicago in two thousand three. Uh, he go. was a Golden Globe nominee um, for Dewey Cox, Dewey Cox, mm-hmm. uh, and oh. Chicago, and uh, yeah, there's some other smaller cool. awards he's won. And I'll, I'll tell you that oh, Steve kind of Coogan, maybe the what was is he the guy from the the trip or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Oh. Mm-hmm. I know that one. And, uh, you know, Alan Partridge were the big uh, yeah, the BBC yeah. shows. Um, so he's he's been in a lot of stuff as well. Now, yeah. you know, this, the, the era of, like, uh, Oliver and Hardy, you know, you have, like, kind of like the, you know, the big ones you have. Oliver and Hardy, mm-hmm. Abbott and Costello, the Marx Brothers, and the Three Stooges. You always kind of, you know, in that that kind of area. So Steve Coogan was nominated uh, for Philomena. Yes. Um, in Best Motion Picture of the Year and Best Writing. Mm-hmm. He's never gotten a... And it was Golden Globe for Philomena as well. Right, oh. which was an amazing I film. I have seen that yeah. one. Um, so, you know, I, I always liked... Uh, I liked all four of them, but I always liked... Uh, I remember watching Three Stooges and Marx Brothers were probably my favorites mm-hmm. out of out of all of them. Oh, those but are great. Uh, Little um, Rascals are they in there somewhere? Yeah, I th- does that count? Same same time. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta it's be the depression right. era, yeah, black yeah. and white, mm-hmm. silent comedy. Yep. Oh, I used mm-hmm. to love that. You know, and you have, uh, um, you know, Buster Keaton was a little bit before because these were the talkies, but mm-hmm. uh, but also you've got you know the vaudeville background too. You right. know, they were they were doing vaudeville, you know, before they were doing you know films. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you have this this long history for, of these performers, but you know, I, it's I'm glad this movie got made because it's obviously it's showing some stuff you don't know about them, and it's also if you don't know who they are uh, and you're a fan of comedy, it would you know benefit you to check them out for sure. And it just looks like 
these two, Steve Coogan and John C. Riley, are going to be good together. On I the think screen. so too. Oh, yeah, 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 they had no, a real good sure. chemistry for sure. And I wasn't expecting. I was like, is this, how's, how are they going to work? You know, together. How's it going to look? And it, it looks good. It looks like a yeah. good movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. great. So, all right, DVD and Blu-rays. We've got the Meg. Oh yeah, yes, the Big Meg. Shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go see it. Yeah, it's everything you want it to be. It's fun. For Big sure. ridiculous shark movie. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, um, you know, it was, uh, they showed a lot of the, the money shots actually in the trailer, so it kind of ruined some stuff, but, you know, it was still a fun giant shark movie. It had some tonal problems, but, uh, you know, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I'm nitpicking. I, you, you, you are nitpicking mm-hmm. a movie that was yeah. about a giant shark that comes <laughs> yeah. up from the prehistoric... <laughs> The trench crack in the earth, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they, they came, they, yeah, they came up with the kaiju's. Sure, yeah, I right. got it. You know, from a um, that the guy, the Jaegers would have to fight eventually. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, but uh, mile twenty-two. This was the uh, um, uh, Mark Wahlberg action movie that was absolutely god awful. It was terrible. It was from everything from the action to the acting to the the writing to the directing it was it was a misfire on so many levels and um but the movie had this weird confidence about it where it just set up a sequel but it didn't even set up a sequel as much as it set up like well this is part one you know if you Mm. want the whole story you gotta see part two like it wasn't even a complete movie it like it felt like it stopped in the middle and it's like well now see now we have to make a sequel because we made a half-assed movie that didn't go anywhere. Now, <laughs> yeah. if you want the rest, you have to demand a sequel. Um, <laughs> the sequel's where we're going to set yeah. it right. We're yeah. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just give us some more money. We'll, we'll make we'll it good. We'll fix it. We'll yeah. fix it. For God's sake. Yeah, here's an idea. Make a good movie first. And maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll talk yeah. sequel. Um, That's a quick yeah. question. <laughs> has anyone, has there ever been a movie where the first movie sucked? Yeah. They made a sequel and the sequel was better? Can That's anyone answer question. that question? That's a good mm. question. Hmm. Um, Aaron? Judge Dredd. Actually, no, that was okay. a remake. remake. See, now there, there's no. some Count. movies where yeah. I, on, I only came in on the second one, and mm-hmm. I thought it was great, like uh, the Mad Max. I didn't see Mad Max. I saw The Road Warrior, and I loved it. And then when I tried to revisit Mad Max, I didn't like it as much. as the Well, that's an, there, there you go. That's an interesting one, because The Road Warrior came out many years after Mad Max. Yeah. Mad Max was this sort Low of... Low-budget Australian post-apocalyptic movie. Cult yeah. hit. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting, but very low budget. Mm-hmm. The Road Warrior was like budget, big money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hollywood. There must have been... Well, I mean, speaking from uh, a little bit of experience, like our first movie, uh, I think it's safe to say not only didn't make any money, it ruined a lot of people's lives, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make anything. Um, but we did make a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's better. I'd say it's different. It's got more uh, money in it. I, I like them both just as much for different reasons. But mm-hmm. I think the reason we were able to make the sequel is because we had a lot. Like you, you mentioned cult following with Mad Max. I think we had, well, because of guys like you and like everybody was so cool, like all the comics, you know, and everything. So we had this buzz. So we, that's mm-hmm. how we were able to go in and make another one. So maybe it's, it doesn't have to be just successful, but if you have, like there must have been with the Mad Max, there, there must was, have been a cult. There was a cult following yeah, for sure. Mad Max. And sure. they must have had mm-hmm. quotes and there must have been celebrity endorsements or things mm-hmm. that they could go in there it and was say, one let's of those, do it again. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. one of those movies. Now this is back in the 80s where it came out very sort of, the post-apocalyptic movies were really kind of starting. Mm-hmm. And it got... Like it was one of those cult things that would show at art houses and you go, you got to see this. And it was yeah. like, wait, what? Right. 
I remember my dad taking my brother and I to the Road Warrior, and we had never seen Mad Max, but my dad was aware of it. He's like, yeah, yeah, the Mad Max was this cult thing that came mm-hmm. out a couple years ago when you right. guys were too young. Mm-hmm. And got very limited release. Limited release. <clears throat> you know, this is the, this is the <clears throat> video tape era was they weren't even sure how to market road yeah. warrior because they're like well no one's really seen the first what do we do how right do we, yeah how do to we me it was this? just yeah. a standalone i thought it was great i had yeah. no right. idea there was already mm-hmm. a series it was smart yeah. yeah for sure and uh which one was the one where they overdubbed the australian accents was that road warrior or was that the first one when they released it i can't remember no it was one. mad max they it overdubbed was. the Aus- they thought the australian there's a version where they th- they were like the australian mm-hmm. accents are too thick americans mm-hmm. won't get it so he's walking around going, we've got to go find him. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man. Which is just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. And then the last uh, movie we were talking about was Alpha, which is like a boy and his dog movie, but in prehistoric times. Um, I don't know anyone who's seen this movie. But, was it prehistoric uh, times? I, I thought think... it was. No, I thought it was a robot dog. Oh, maybe that is. I'm getting the dog movies confused. Yeah, maybe is... Alpha's the robot dog. No, Alpha, Alpha's like a military op, a psyop. Oh, let's pull it up. AI yeah. dog. Oh, that's it, one that, we're, but it's the size of a horse. That one, I remember sure. that. I remember the trailer for that one. Wow, that one looked absolutely awful. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I'm thinking of another, uh, I'm thinking of another dog movie. Yeah, Alphys. <laughs> I would the, watch yeah, yeah. a prehistoric boy and his dog movie. Mm-hmm. I know, maybe you're right. Maybe this was the prehistoric one. Oh, it is. Yeah. Prehistoric. Yeah, pre- oh, look right. at that. Right. Wow. Look. Know, I'm sorry. You know, and I had you uh, convince me otherwise. I, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I should have just let you live. <laughs> you know, and, a prehistoric and I said past. I would watch one, and yeah. now I have to watch it. Because yeah. I said that I would. A young man has to return home after being separated from his tribe during a buffalo hunt. He finds a similarly lost wolf companion and starts a friendship that would change humanity. Mm. So is it like in prehistoric a, times? In pre- <laughs> like Quest for Fire? Yeah. In they that, find in a monolith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, now what's the robot? Yeah. Hey, what's the what's the robot dog one where they? It's a military dog. That's a Arfa. Well, there's a. <laughs> Arf I? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> There's the episode of Black Mirror where they've got that terror uh, dog machine. Oh, thing. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that just hunts you. Yeah, and, yeah. And then if it's about to die, it like puts a tracker in you so the other ones can come after you. Oh, that's yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. That was uh, horrifying. It's not that far away from... Axel. Axel. Ah, there we go. Alpha and Axel. <laughs> yeah. So it's such yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, check them both out. If you're... Uh, <laughs> They you both like come up. Yeah. Horrible dog movies. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. That's something that we learned uh, when we were making our second movie that there's this thing, and we even talked about it in the movie, and it's called alpha stacking, where if you call your movie something that begins high in the alphabet, like A, like oh, Alpha right. or Axel, and you, so you'll see so many movies doing that. And a lot of times the, t- the original title gets changed, like on IMDb, too. So, um, you know, because if you're on the plane and you're going through A to Z, it always starts with A. So those mm-hmm. movies have an advantage. So everybody's trying to stack theirs in the beginning. <laughs> it's really funny to watch. But yeah, we talked about it in the movie. And so at one point we wanted to call the movie And Punching the Clown. Because it was just such a stupid idea. But we couldn't convince anybody. Yeah, it, just, it was just too weird. You should just call it triple a punching the yeah <laughs> ah punching the, the clown <laughs> 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 
But yeah, that's a thing. So I wonder mm-hmm. if Alpha and Axel, it's usually the sign that a movie needs everything that it can get to get in there. Yeah. Every little trick they can pull off. A triple A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Alpha story. So, and on the site spotlight, uh, we're still giving away one free t-shirt with every t-shirt order. That will be going through Christmas. The downloads are working. In fact... Uh, Punching the Clown is still available on the site. Wow, you could uh, download really? that for the, uh, you know, from oh, Comedy great. Film Nerds. That's awesome. Um, the message boards are back up. You can say hi to Charlene, our moderator. You know, people are slowly starting to go back to it. It is still a ghost town, but uh, definitely uh, come back and uh, populate our message come boards, on, won't guys. you? Uh, um, let us know your thoughts. And the Crab Feast merchandise is almost gone. We just have some all Juco shirts and some hats left. And once that's gone, it is gone. There will not be any more made because they are stopping the show as of December. But there are some left, so uh, get in on it. And then, you know, a Crab Feast all Juco shirt, guess what? You get a free shirt with it when you order. Limited edition. Mm-hmm. Never be made again. Just on- only nope. you and your prehistoric dog can enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> so enjoy um, all right, and premiering this week, we have Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, not to be confused with The Crimes of Johnny Depp. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Fantastic Beasts is like a weird thing where, um, you know, they needed more Harry Potter movies. So they picked an obscure character and I'm like, all right, maybe they'll do one or two movies. Oh, no, there are five planned. This is two. So there's going to be three more after this one. And all of this takes place before Harry Potter's time. So they're all prequels. It's a big, long prequel story. So uh, I was reading some articles that said that uh, this one is a little tighter and doesn't have kind of the weird tonal shifts that the first one had. So they kind of, um, the filmmakers actually took to heart the criticism of the first one. Yeah. So we'll see what actually happens with this one. But I will say this, J.K. Rowling has a very large um, attention to detail. So I really feel like this, you know, if you're a fan of the Harry Potter universe, you'll like this. If you're not, not going to change your mind, this movie. No, this isn't like an entry point for like, oh, you know, I was all on the fence about Harry Potter. Maybe maybe Jude Law will convince me to come on board. No, he won't. <laughs> this is it. <clears throat> this is uh, basically these are the most expensive fan films ever made mm. and uh, the most successful ones. Wow. The next movie is Instant Family. Uh, it looks like a fun, kind of like heartfelty comedy. They're uh, just in time for the holidays. Uh, Are you sure you know? it's fun, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> feels like, uh, the, what is it, the stepdad I, sequel? I'll tell you, like, I do. This is, his, is he becoming a Meet the Fockers guy? I, I don't know. There's something about Mark Wahlberg that uh, he just really makes me laugh. <laughs> it's something about, like, uh, you know, I know he's an action star too, but I really like him in comedies. I think he can be really funny. Um mm. God, when he's just when he's yelling at Will Farrell and that uh, what was that cop movie that they were in? The other guys. The other guys. I think it was really funny. Sure, like uh-huh. he's a great uh, comedy, uh, like uh, straight man. So I don't know. We'll see. It could be awful for sure. Uh, the next movie is Widows. This is uh, an interesting. Oh, this is this movie. is an this all is girl the, taken. This is a. But it's, it's directed by the the Twelve Years a Slave guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and the you know it's. It's got Liam Neeson and a bunch of other people that apparently... Uh, but it's Viola you know, Davis and Michelle yeah. Rodriguez. <laughs> they hmm. they kind of fill it a little bit with um, male stars who don't last very long so they can actually focus on the female stars because that's they're the survivors. Sure. And then they, they uh, go into the family business, as it were. So um, it looks, again, it's one of those movies that it could be really fun, you know, kind of a female taken like it's almost like a um an oceans movie but with um kick-ass women <laughs> i've been saying this for years yeah 
I want everyone to have a taken. Yeah. I don't care, male or female. I just like well, it when someone's pushed past the brink and they got to go kick ass. We're going through the casting Rolodex. I mean, we're, you know, eventually, I think that's going to happen. We just had Peppermint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had Minnie Van Taken right. with Halle Berry, mm-hmm. you know. Man on Fire. Man on yeah. Fire, like <laughs> all of them. And this one, you know, since it's an ensemble, it's like, well, this is like 10 Taken movies at the same time. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a team Taken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. And the next movie is uh, Green Book, which also looks like now we're getting to Oscar season two. This looks like a really good movie, like with Viggo Mortensen and, uh, um, oh, what's the other actor's name now? Uh, but, you know, he's, yes, and uh, he's a singer, and, and uh, Viggo Mortensen is, becomes his driver, but also becomes his friend, and it's, you know, just that interaction of, like, the culture of black and white and in the you know, deep south in the, in the, in the deep south and, whatever, yeah, yeah which is horrible where you know he can come in and sing and pack the place but mm, can't eat at the restaurant nope yeah has to come so, in the back door yeah yeah if he's allowed in at all right so uh looks like a great movie that guy needs it taken yeah he does. <laughs> <laughs> he's fed up Set with jim 60s. crow yeah uh, all right, that is our show. Uh, now, Henry, tell yeah. us about what you have going on and tell us about these two movies and where people can find them um, other than ComedyFilmNerds.com. Punching Henry is on Showtime now, and it's mm-hmm. also, you can buy it on Amazon and iTunes mm-hmm. and all that. Um, first movie, Punching the Clown, is on your site and yes. uh, Amazon Prime. And um, so I've always, I've had this uh, kitchen uh, series, you know, where I teach people how to cook. It's called Henry's Kitchen, and mm-hmm. it's a tutorial, and uh, it's a joke. I suck, and uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it sort of, you know, got its own following, so I've been doing that, and I just made these masterclass versions of them, which mm-hmm. are like uh, high production value. It's through this company, Thrillist, and we went to New York, and they gave me a really beautiful kitchen. And a, oh, wow. And it, and it was kind of weird, because I was like, because the whole joke was I was imitating like these people in their bachelor apartments that just suck at you know cooking and they're trying to teach you how to make chili and and the real story is like why what's your whole life about like what what mm-hmm. are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and um so i was like is it gonna ruin it by suddenly changing the entire environment so that now i'm in a really nice kitchen and i don't think it did in some ways i think it made it much better because now it's just like this um uh, kind of bull in a china shop thing like i still have no idea what i'm doing but i have all these nice utensils and it <laughs> looks like a real like rachel ray or one of these kind of kitchen things so those you can see on youtube just henry's kitchen master class and, uh, <laughs> <Masterclass. yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and i got a uh, a patreon uh patreon slash henry's kitchen for this so that i can keep going and uh i'm gonna make some um Biscuits, some veal parmesan for the holidays. Mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've been, or not, not veal parmesan. What am I saying? Uh, eggplant parmesan, because mm-hmm. I've heard that's a hard one. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna take that on. <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm doing with myself. But uh, a lot of filmmaking stuff. I'm doing, you know, very nothing that's public yet. But I'm doing. I'm shooting a proof of concept thing for a buddy of mine's screenplay later in December, and uh, that's. I think all of 2019 for me is gonna be about. Uh, putting things on film oh that's great yeah yeah that's nice doing any touring not much i mean i've it's kind of uh becoming a part of my past i think Mm -hmm. you know i just um the gigs were fewer and further between and so i mean i've got one gig in fresno with bob zaney coming up in (laughs) december uh 
and uh and that's it you know i just kind of suddenly um felt like i wanted to be here yeah. doing this kind of thing I hear doing you. movies mm-hmm. i just the road might be i don't want to say it's a younger man's game because we all know people that are still doing it and doing it extremely well just for me i'm just like i can't get on a plane you know i just i'm tired of it it's hard mm-hmm. to grind it out unless you're right moving a lot of tickets yeah and, and when when you look at what the best case scenario for something is and it's still something that you don't want <laughs> then it's, like, <laughs> it's like okay my best case scenario is i'm just going around you know playing for a thousand people town to town every night and just mm-hmm. making shit loads of money or whatever Eh, I'd rather just stay here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Maybe that'll change. Who knows? All right. Well, that's our show, guys. That is. Uh, please go to the Patreon and, of course, support the show in a lot of cool free ways. You know, the likes, the subscribes, the yep. pushing the show out, positive reviews, all that stuff is great. Oh, forgot to make an announcement about the show. Uh, we are going to be on um, Pandora. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yes, yes. So, that's, uh, they're, they're still kind of in that podcast beta phase but you could go to pandora and sign up for it right now mm-hmm. when they when they release the podcast um part of it then you'll uh, you'll be one of the first in line yeah and then when that starts happening you know listen on pandora thumbs yep. up it you know all those mm-hmm. little analytic things help they certainly do because that gets us in the tracking then mm-hmm. we get suggested more to other people who haven't heard of us yeah mm-hmm. oh i just thought of you just reminded me of another plug uh <laughs> earlier this year i have a friend named Greg griffin who's a voiceover actress she's been in it for years she's mm-hmm. like scooby-doo and rugrats and all these things and uh she um is a comedian as well and in april she asked me if i would direct her comedy special and i had no idea how to do that but it took a long time but uh, literally we made a comedy special and i think it's great it's on um it's on amazon prime right now it's called my first comedy special and uh it's uh it's gray who's fantastically funny and then lisa delarios who's uh, i don't know if you remember her but she's from austin and um and then a couple of other people uh, that are great too, Sebastian Corley and Haley Hoffmeister that uh, that Gray just met on the scene, and mm-hmm. we made a, a comedy special, and it's called My First Comedy Special, and people can check that out. I felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Mm-hmm. Good for you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for listening. We're gonna uh, we're also gonna record, like we said, the. Um, Overlord spoiler app yes, that'll we'll, drop next week during the Thanksgiving. Yes, so you will never be without content. You always have something delicious mm-hmm. to put in yes. your fresh ears every day. And the uh, the Patreon, the special Patreon episode, that will be t- closer to the end of the month just because of scheduling. So you'll get that probably the last week in November. You'll still get it this month. Oh, Don't yeah. worry. The weekly, monthly, yes. Neil yep. wrap up. That's yep. always coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did want to mention, too, the uh, last of the long ago and far away Kickstarter rewards will be going out this week. So um, if you didn't get if you don't get your reward in like a, a week, week and a half, make sure you uh, email info at comedyfilmnerds.com and we will take care of it. But they're almost out. And of course, it is for sale at the Comedy Film Nerd store and I will sign it for you. Check it out. Get your holiday shopping done at mm-hmm. comedyfilmnerds.com, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, episode 442, guys. Bang it out. Halfway to eight. That's amazing. 84. <laughs> you thought I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to Henry Phillips. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Good, good to see you, my friend. Thank you to Aaron and everybody here at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. <laughs>